All right, how do I sound? Too loud? Perfect. Perfect. All right, we're live now. That's what we're saying. Mics are hot. Mics are fucking hot. All right, so don't get too I'm close saying. and none of that stuff. All right, what do you think of Mr. Goodman? All right, so here's what I'm thinking. At some point, you will be producing multiple podcasts by yourself or other people for whatever. They'll be coming into, you know, the Ingalls studio to sit down with the mics and time to record their podcast. So what I think there needs to be, and here's, there's a couple ways I see this going. Either Solo Insider can be, I feel like that should just be the brand for this umbrella of an organization maybe or at, at least, least initially or, or, at le- or, or, or even and when i say umbrella, i mean more like the providing this service to people right would be the solo inside sure so then maybe you need an umbrella corporation above that that is the podcast umbrella that is you know produced by ingles whatever right you know create kind of the the parent company yeah that really does the podcast the production company production work right and it, I don't know if they have to be separate, but I feel like having a branding on that production, because then again, then the Solo Insider podcast right. can then be a Ingalls production. It could be an Ingalls production. Um, my only concern there is, I really, yeah, I, well, and that's the thing, I think you're right, because I see Solo Insider as really just a stepping stone. Um, I mean, not that I'm trying to shit on my very first company. Um, I like the idea, and I want to go as far as I can with it, but... The point in it, it's just my way of starting. It's my way of doing the first natural thing to becoming an entrepreneur. What do I know how to do when I'm doing it? So from there, I, I don't know. Maybe this company will go a year. Maybe it'll go two years. I have no idea there. But I want to make sure that every step we're taking is creating a you know a future if that makes sense like that everything we're doing is in furtherance of bigger goals than just this one and i agree and that's where i kind of think having this uh having this company that's there that's kind of this umbrella to say i'm gonna if the if the production stuff takes off awesome i have this company here and they're gonna start producing because again let's say other firms like well i want to do a podcast and they're, you know, if I hear, listen to your podcast, I think I could do a podcast. And you're like, well, all right, pay me X amount, I'll produce it for you. So, well, how big, the, how big do you think the market is for that? But it depends on how how much how much, how well podcasting goes. Right, right. Well, and I, I mean, I think my assumption, I, I get a lot of joy from doing this. Like right now, I feel like a fucking schoolgirl. Like I am giddy. Awesome. Like I got to put my gear together. <laughs> I'm sitting here talking to the mic, um, and, and I love it. Like I really enjoy it. And I hope, um, well, no, I'm not hope. Fuck hope. Like, I'm going to keep doing this whether I'll, people hey, listen to me or not. I'll come chat with you any day of the week. Yeah. Take we'll we'll right sit now. here and do this on Tuesday night whether <laughs> anybody wants to listen or not because it brings me joy. But uh, so I, I really, I feel that I will continue to do this and perhaps I might enjoy helping other people do it. But the question uh, comes up, I mean, it's not that much work to create these types of things, I don't think. At this point, at least, I mean, we haven't really gotten into mixing and editing, um, and I, I think that's going to be some of your back end. But I've read enough about it that we can play with it. Figure there's it out. a good number of podcasts that are going live in an hour or two, yeah. so they're doing all of their mixing and editing within an hour or two, and and, and going live. And I think there, there's two ways. There's two schools of thought. Some of them they do a lot of the work right now. Like let's say that we were doing this podcast together right the second to go live later. Um, or to put it up, 
what we would do is we'd have at least one other person in studio with us managing the mix. They would be over there turning things down, turning them up, sending different feeds if we needed to bring someone in on a Skype call. Um, these are all things we could do ourselves, but it's going to take a lot of our attention away. It's going to become a very well, difficult process. That could be something that, again, you – okay, so let's say I learned how to do this stuff as well. Right. You or I could do for, okay, you're podcasting. Right. I hop on there. I mix. We have someone else come podcast in. Either one of us can hop on there, mix, do whatever we need right. to do for them. I mean, I can tell you right now, just when you're doing this, I would love to get like a movie podcast going, hang out and just chat on movies for like an hour. There's, there are tons of people that I think would just be, be like, oh, I would love to just record this. Dude, I would absolutely listen to you talk about movies. That's what I'm saying. If anyone came in here and was like, hey, I hear you guys are making podcasts, I want to make a podcast. That's something like, I want to say. Done. Cool. Come on we'll in. We'll schedule you for Thursday afternoons at four. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you have a group of people coming in to podcast. Right. And there is uh, one of the things I looked at recently you can pay i don't remember how much it was it felt relatively reasonable and they create the intro for you like it's like and and it's someone talking <laughs> like it's like this week's on the podcast like you know um kind of like the it's rated r guy in there, yeah like, in a world in a world oh man <laughs> in a world yeah this is awesome so uh they they create that whole thing for you they you know they talk they, they say the name of your podcast who you are what you're going to be doing um they will even record like um interludes like let's say you have an interlude that you want to use from time to time you can throw that in like we'll be right back after this you know or and um, they put the, you know some kind of music in there because I spent a lot of time. Lis- I I probably spent three hours listening to five second clips. Well, a lot of times it was three to five seconds because I'm like crap, crap, crap. But hours just listening to music that I would want to use for the podcast. It's incredibly difficult. Um, I, I think you probably would have an ear for it because you know we need something to intro with that we're not going to get sued for. I mean, again, I think a lot of it comes down to finding just people who play instruments. But like, hey, well, that'd be cool. Like, but I think initially, I have a friend who does uh, makes a bunch of uh, like uh, he has like a full like professional soundboard and like so. I mean, what plays would guitar, it, plays bass, plays drums. Like, comes in. Does what all would his it own take recordings. to get like a thirty second intro? Uh, probably a text message, maybe a phone call. You know, people, I like that. Um. So yeah, that's a that that's certainly a, a goal I think that's possible. But then it comes back to what would people be willing to pay us for that? And because I mean, we don't it, have it could, to just make it, could it start small. I mean, you could be like you know pay you know fifty bucks for an hour at a time. I mean, make it something just minimal, just so it's like all right, that's worth me you know walking over there to try out just to grow. And then the demand increases, the price increases. You know, just like anything else. If like if all of a sudden it's like look, I only have so much time in a day, I can't just go hang out for an hour while you talk on my equipment for 50 bucks. Sure. All of a sudden it's like, all right, a $1,000 and we'll set you up for the month and we'll do four podcasts. Right. It's like, okay, now we're, now we're getting somewhere. Now, now all of a sudden we have, you know, $500 a month. You get a, and we'll do everything for your podcast. We'll mix, you come in, record, we'll produce, we'll get it ready to go. You can listen to it, send back critiques and then we'll two week turnaround. You'll have your podcast ready to go. Right. And then all of a sudden, something goes there. And, and maybe not. Maybe, maybe we just say, look, we just record it for dirt cheap. Doesn't take us much time. But a couple of the podcasts are doing really well. Even if it's not one of our podcasts. Someone else's podcast is just killing it. We want to get sponsors. Well, right. But at, at that point, who owns the content? You know, you got to contract the hell out of that. Because yeah. they own the content. They can take this podcast and walk out the door. Get their own sponsors. Get their own equipment. 
Um, so that's fine too. So that's just something you have to think about. I mean, yeah, but I think if you're, I don't think everyone's as into this, this aspect of it. Right. But if they, if, if it started turning a profit, it does podcasting turn a profit for most people. I think, well, not most people. I don't think it does, but it, it can, it can become a very valuable tool if you do it correctly. And, and I would like to do that. Um, I, I would like to at least make enough money that it's worth my. It, it's a hobby that also makes me money. It doesn't well, even have to make a ton goal. of money, but I would like it to turn some kind of a profit for me. And I think it's possible. Um, I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of attorneys already doing it, but and that's where I think we need to be different and better. Clearly, but I think we can be different and better by being exciting and having, you know, humor. Humor that oh, is mixed God, in, have humor. yeah, because that's that's one thing that legal podcasts do not have. They're not funny. So they're not engaging. Yeah, they're just boring. You know, and you I, know how many legal podcasts I listen to? What zero? Oh, uh, I listen to a couple because I'm getting ideas. You need to start listening. I, I, I because, now I do because even if they are boring, they have ideas. They have ideas that we can take and repurpose and make not boring. Right. I mean, yeah, we bring our own flair to it. You know, we're exciting. We're funny. We're interesting. We're going to bring you content. We're going to bring you guests that are exciting. And, you know, we're going to put a lot of time and preparation into making sure that the content we put out there is engaging. And that's how we do it different and better. But I think that we can take that boring shit and just leap off of it. Um, I like that. Yeah. So I think that's one step to making our own podcast very, very good. Um so what's our next topic? What else? What else is on the agenda for tonight? For tonight, I mean, I guess. Was there anything so. that we just said that we need to write down? No, I don't think so. All right, I don't think any of that. I feel like that was all just wasn't it? No real new ground. All right, because I would love to do that. Like if we can put together, you know, let's say that we get three to six podcasts, like legitimate podcasts, put together over the next three months, um, and they sound good, like not just to us, you know, like other people hear them and they feel because obviously, I mean. I, I was listening to myself the other day. I was thrilled. I mean, it was a little weird and awkward in the beginning, but there was some real moments of awesomeness where I was just being candid, authentic, and and, and it came through. And I felt Say like you this, could hear I it. And realized, funny. I listened to one legal podcast. What's that? I was on it. It was for the Charlotte School of Law. They had a podcast. How long ago was this? Probably a year or two ago. Nice. One of our interns. We need to dig that gem up. One of our interns. Uh, it was terrible. It was like uh, We talked about some cool shit. Who hosted it? Um, it was just my intern recorded it. It was whoever, someone, and then he was doing something with the law school. It's like, oh, I'll interview you. It was an okay interview. He wasn't great at right. some, some of the questions he left. I left it hanging, like, you know, follow up. And he just like, next question. I'm like, oh, right. all right. Well, and, and that is the hard but part. Then, but then they cut out, like, we talked for like 30, 40 minutes. It was a 15 right. minute podcast. I'm like, you cut out like all the good stuff. Right. Like, just all the boring stuff is in here. Right. No wants to hear that. Right. And that's where I think planning the podcast comes in a lot is you don't want to just be editing it. You want it to be a pretty good flow from beginning to end with minimal I mean, editing. Yeah, exactly. Ideally, you don't want to be editing it at all. You want right. to be like, we had a great conversation. Here's that conversation. Right. And you feel the conversation and it flows naturally. And that's. I hate breaks and like Star Talk with yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Hate. They have fucking commercials in that thing all the time. Like every 10 minutes. Like, and we break for a commercial. And then all of a sudden you're like, 
Where am I? And then, then all of a sudden they just come back in with new stuff. And you're like, whoa, right. wait a minute. Was there a break in what just happened? What What is going on? They didn't even finish that thought. They're probably somewhere else. Like, it's a completely it's different like, day oh, of recording. Come on. Yeah. I, I prefer, I don't know if you listen to You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. His is, there's no I editing. I do like Pete Holmes. There's no editing. He's a he's funny like, dude. He's like, we just turn it on. They're like, are we recording? Like, I'm going to record for five minutes. Like, what? They're like, yeah, we're going. <laughs> so can we edit this? Like, no, no, we don't edit. We don't edit We just shit. play it all. This all comes out. I love that. And I'm like, this is, you know, like, I want consistency yeah and i used to listen to a lot of uh, comedy podcasts but the problem i run into with comedy podcasts i love stand-up comedy but if i'm going to sit and pay pay attention to someone i I need i need it condensed i need it like stand-up like i like bill burr he is one of the funniest comedians working today but the problem is i listen to his podcast and sometimes there's like five minutes where i'm like all right bill keep it moving um, and that's where I run into a problem with comedy podcasts is it's not just always funny the entire time because who can be funny 52 hours, you but know, again, on a you podcast? Have, to have it going. And then that's why I think I got like, the, I like the Nerdist podcast a lot because it's, there's three guys usually doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's rarely dull. I think Chris Hardwick runs it, keeps moving pretty quickly. Is he like the host? Yeah. And so, I mean, and they nerd out occasionally on stuff, but it's sure. still, uh, the Nerdist. True. But it moves forward at a pace that's pretty. Um, it's pretty good. They don't get hung up too much. Well, that's good. Thing. It sounds like they plan it because I think the problem that I run into with a lot of uh, comedy podcasts they don't feel planned. Um, there's really no script. Like, uh, do you ever listen to Bill Burr's podcast? I've listened to it before. He just gets on there and he's just like, "How are you? <laughs> Hello, happy Monday. How about those Patriots? Go Pats!" <laughs> that was a solid Bill Burr. How? Um, and I love him. He's he really is one of my favorite comedians, and his podcast has got moments of gold in it. I mean, but then you know I got to sit there and listen to that stamps stamps dot com for all your all your mailing needs stamps dot com me undies, <laughs> and then what's his other one uh, dollarshaveclub dot com. That's dollarshaveclub.com. I don't mind having you know having like a little side intro. I know the nurses all the time. They'll do like a three to five minute just intro before each episode it's recorded two weeks ago then like the day before it's released it's like so this week on the first podcast i have right here's what's going to be going on and this episode is brought to you by stamps.com and and there's like you know i'm like whatever but then the episode plays and bills is funny because he doesn't do the intro like that his intro is just hey everybody it's bill burrs and the monday morning podcast how are you (laughs) um and then just somewhere in the middle he's like all right let's do some ads and he just like starts reading ad ad print, and it's kind of funny. Um, and he's like, you know, just gotta pay the bills, and I get that. But um, yeah, so comedy podcasts haven't been like the best thing for me. I thought I'd love it, but again, it's just not enough humor in in a short. I, I like I need my fucking jokes packed in tight. Wanna- that, well, that's the thing. I feel like I listen to a lot of them. Well, at least I did, especially you know, Doctor View days. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was you know, I was like, I need more podcasts. I've listened to all of these, um, but and nowadays I'm like, I'm a year behind on. Um, Oh yeah, I gave up. I, I I deleted my subscription to all the comedy podcasts. Now all the podcasts I listen to, I listen to Tom Bill, you listen to Awesome Office. Um, I listen to some legal podcasts. There's a few of them out there. Or you need to send me these legal podcasts so I can listen. Yeah, to I will. Um, there's like the new the the new Modern Lawyer is one, um, and, and the guy's good. I mean, he 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 knows what he's talking about. He's, it, well, it's interesting, but no, it's, it's kind of boring. If they don't, I mean, you can know, you can be the greatest, smartest guy in the world talking about some serious, crazy, awesome shit. Yeah. If I'm bored as hell listening to you say that, it's like, I, it's I don't a little boring. And I got to tell you, the sound quality is bad on a lot of them. That's frustrating. I mean, I, again, if it's, 
But a lot of these guys, I mean, really, I didn't realize it at first, but a lot of these guys are just plugging a USB mic up to their computer. And so you're getting a lot of, when you come back and you hear this, you're going to get a lot of that kind of stuff. Like one of the lawyer podcasts, there's a dog barking in the background several times. Yeah, just direct that right back at your face. It looks like it's kind of pointing away. Like just take it and, yeah, there you go. That should be a little better. Is that better? I, I, can hear you. I mean, I can hear you fine already, but and I think you could even move it a little closer to your face if you wanted. Um, how am I sounding? Very good? I'll, I'll put it closer to my face. All like, up in your face. Wearing. Get all mouthy. Um, where was I? Oh, right. So the one one legal podcast was to like the very, the inaug- I think it's the inaugural episode. There's fucking dog barking in the background, like several times. And then there's a fucking baby. Like I can hear like a baby talking and shit. And I'm like, what? What the fuck, man? You can't find 15 minutes. It's like a soundboard of someone like being like, uh, uh, baby noise. No, 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 no. It's actual life sounds. Weenie and the butt. <laughs> whoa, 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 weenie and the butt. <laughs> cool Mondays in the morning. <laughs> That's I fucking love that episode. Oh, I, I really love. Um, what, what's that? Um, what's that fucking soundbite that Stewie runs? Um, I don't remember. Dingo and the baby. <laughs> did, you, did you watch Parks and Rec? Uh, I've seen had... the first like two episodes. Oh, I'm at the first uh, like two seasons. Where Nick, Nick, I like where, it. Where Nick Kroll's the uh, DJ. She goes on. They go on the radio show. And Nick Kroll's it, and he's. I don't the, think I've seen that one yet. He's the douche. It's mm-hmm. like whatever in the douche. Mm-mm. It's absolutely hysterical. I need to see that. You definitely one. need to because I do like it more now. Um, honestly, one of the big problems that show had getting off the ground. They were not utilizing Ron Swanson. I don't know. First, the first season he's boring. is the worst season. Yeah, he's boring. The, they just don't know who he's supposed to be oh, yet. Just, really, the first two seasons are probably the worst of those seasons. Yeah, I like it, Louis C.K. It, it just keeps getting better and better and yeah, better. and Chris Pratt's wonderful. He comes in more. I and just want to hug him. And then once they bring in uh, Rob Lowe. And, uh, oh, I don't even have Rob oh Lowe yet. Oh, my God. Yeah, Jesus, I like Rob Lowe. Even, I do like Rob Lowe. I mean, yeah, the... He's yeah. ridiculous. Did you see him in Californication? No. You didn't finish Californication? No. Then. Yeah, it's like seven seasons long. He comes in around like the sixth season. I made it feel like season one. And I was like, oh, no. Season one's amazing. See, that kind of shit. That's the kind of shit we wouldn't want. What was that? Um, some, a car. It was someone with a fucking stupid muffler. Oh, they're gone now. I mean, I can't hear with the headphones. I'm just like, was that in here? Yeah, right. Exactly. No, there's a car outside. That's the kind of shit that you have to worry about. Like, we would have, we would probably go back and edit that out because it sounded terrible. Um, and that's where a sound studio starts to come in a little handy too. Um, or I mean, if you, again, if you just are recording at a location, that's... right. But the thing is, like, let's say we were doing a podcast right now, we would need to contact everyone who uses this office and tell them, hey, we need this hour. Um, you got just you can't come in and out. We'd have to do another office. I mean, we'd have, we'd have to pick a spot where we're like we're not around. We're not gonna get. We go to like your house, like my right. house, your place. We have to, we'd have to go to like a place where we can. And do my like, house isn't down. terrible. My concern with my house, I haven't done any podcasting um, in that room yet that I would be podcasting in. Um, and but we're right on the road, so there could be traffic noise. So there's a concern there. But if I was able to get that throttler, I don't know if it would work. It might cut the traffic noise out. But um, that's something we'll look into as you know when we go to make our first episode. What's your house look like? Um, ours isn't bad. Our dog barks though occasionally. That's a concern. We don't want dog issue. barking. Plus, our house is like 1930s, right? I mean, so the acoustics there's no are insulation. There's no yeah. So someone outside just is walking down the street. You'd you hear, hear them. That. Yeah. yeah, that's a concern as well. So that's something we'll have to think about, like where we can go and do this. Mm-hmm. What is your office like? You could probably do our office. 
We have a conference pretty quiet environment. No one around there. Yeah, we could try that because I love the feel of this office, especially after hours. Yeah, I mean your office, I like feel way more than ours. Yeah, I like the feel. To be fair, I mean I think that was really the only noise we've heard so far. I mean there sometimes is dog noise though. Will we will we be providing scotch to guests while they're on? I guess you know maybe one or two. We want to make sure we don't like run into a liability ones. issue. Classy ones. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't drink anything but good scotch or good. Well, no, I mean classy guests. Oh, classy yes. guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we'll, no, we'll get the shittiest scotch we can find. Bingles. Like here, have some shit scotch. Ten dollars a bottle. Ugh. It really it's just whiskey. <laughs> I love it. Um. What next? What else we got? Well, I mean, all right. What else are we looking at business wise? I called my friend with the logo. I'm still talking to him about it. We haven't right. really done much. That's, with that. Yeah, we want to do the logo. We want the website um, content. I, I liked went, all the questions you wrote. I supplemented some questions. I went in. I went in, and a lot of that came from. I was talking with uh, my wife and her family, just being like, "What would you guys want? Like, right. what? What if you, if you were like, I'm starting a business tomorrow? What would you want to know? Right. A and lot of good questions in there. Some of that stuff came from, and then I started adding little tweaks there, and and, and some of those are really like. One question is like 10 questions that you could throw in. Right. And I kind of did a little like, ooh, there's a sub question. I just didn't want to forget about it. Not that I probably would, but I just kind of put some follow up into it. I actually had a couple of sub questions to one of your sub questions. I I saw that. Yeah. And what we can really go through a lot, I've I've just a lot of mental diarrhea. Um, We can synthesize a lot of my writing into ideas as well. And that's that's really because I started looking at the website. And I was like, all right, what am I going to eat? And I was like, well, we don't even have the content yet. Like, I don't even know how we're going to organize and figure out what we're going to be saying. Right. And how we're going to say it. So, for instance, I guess my thought is this. Are we – I'm on the committee for the collaborative law group, the, like, collaborative divorce law sure. stuff. Like, their media committee. They're redoing the website. They're trying to figure out how to market the group and all this stuff. And so, we were talking about the website there. And they're like, oh, we should do a blog. And I'm like, all right, well, what's – What's the point of our blog here? I mean, it, this isn't a, I mean, this is an independent like practice group. So it's kind of like a mini bar, I guess. Okay. So it's not like I'm being promoted directly through this or anyone independently is being directly promoted by this group. It's like, who's going to write blog posts for this? What's the point of it? Is it going to provide content? Is it just to stay relevant and, and up the like SEO and stuff or the, of the, Website. I mean, what what are we doing? We're like, oh, well, kind of both. And so my thought with all that is, all right, if you're if you're using a blog to promote content, to like here's the content. It's in this blog. Then you have to have a pretty high tech blog. People have to be able to search that. They've got to be able to. You have to have some sort of breakdown. Like here's a blog map of and how that, you get around. And that makes a lot of sense because if someone comes to our website and they have a question, they should be able to type that question in. Or even, or even look. So again, you can most blogs and even Squarespace, especially you, you can, can tag them. Right, you, you can tag tags. them and they'll all be tagged. But you have to tag it properly because I've been to blogs where it's well, kind of what, hodgepodge. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to have like here are the tags we're going to use, our main tags that we we'll use for different topics. Mm-hmm. And then again, you have to plan it out. So you've got to plan out how you're going to break it down, and then and then you have to give the people who come some guidance. Like here are popular tags. Right, here's things tag. you might want. You might be interested Everything in hearing. Everything tagged with that comes up in that tag. Yeah, because it's going like to need to be attractive to look at and easy to navigate. Exactly. But again, I think the other side of that is, um, do you just have content-heavy website and then just accept? Like, do we want all the answer to those questions on the website directly? Do we want some basic information on the website? With then the blog answering each individual question. I think at least a little bit of both. Uh, wait, let's say back up. 
so have some of the content on the website and some on the blog? What are you talking about? Well, what I mean is, okay, so if someone comes to the website homepage, what's it look like? Is there content on there? Is there information about how to start a business on that homepage? I think, no. I think that there is an overview of who we are, what we do, um, you know, kind of our unique selling proposition is right in your face. Like who we are, what we do, why we do it, or why we why we do what we do, who we are, and what we do. All right. And so then, after that, what's next? On, so how many pages? Like, so are we going to have then a about each of us on there? Are we going to have an about the... On the homepage? Well, no, just like on another page. Yeah, at some point, I think that we, we, you know, you have to be able to figure out who we are. Okay. That's important because we're not, you know, we're selling ourselves more than we're selling the product. If people don't trust us and they don't find us credible, they will never give us money. And they won't even give, they won't even give us time. Uh, So that's a, initially our business model relies on them giving us time. We have to get them engaged in wanting our services before they'll ever give us money. So we have to create content that is, uh, all right, Good so where, where is that content? I think, um, well, what do you, uh, okay. rephrase the question. So if I'm on the website, okay, so for instance, our, our website for yeah. our business, sure. for a law firm, if you click on family law, there's a breakdown. There's divorce and separation, and there's parent coordination, and there's equidistribution. Like, what are these things? What's right. alimony? Don't lean too work? far from the mic. What's alimony? Well, that's okay. I'm just, How these are things work? to keep in mind that I learned. So let's say, so you're on a website, all of these things are on there, and there's a description, and they're not huge, like a couple paragraphs, just like a basic piece of information about what, what does alimony mean? What is divorce, you know, what do you need to know about divorce separation? What do you know about child support? What do you know about child custody? And then we have a resources page that we're still building, and the goal is to have the resources page actually have articles written by us about these individuals. I don't topics. necessarily think we break down like that, because we're not, I think we break down more, I'm not sure. But that I, I, I don't I think that's a little too structured. So we could we could break it down into sections where you go to this section and that's where you're gonna find all your links to um, you know, like here's technology. Here's all your technology links. Okay. Here's um, you know, accounting or what have you, here's startup, all the resources you're gonna need to uh, you know, mail off to the Secretary of State, mail to the bar, yada yada yada, those kind of things. And then on the home page we could have links to popular topics. Like, here's a link to a popular article. Here's the ones that people really need. And we want to put our heavy-hitting shit there that people are going to be able to read and do something and tomorrow be better because of it. Is this stuff we write? I mean, I or think, are these links to other places? That I think we that like we write. Well. I think that we write it. Okay. And then we link <laughs> in the writing is fine. But at the end of the day, I think that we keep them on our website as much as possible. We take what someone else wrote, we repurpose it and make it ours, and we keep them there. You know, it's fine to, to give them links that are going to be helpful, but we don't want to send them somewhere where they're going to forget to come back. And I think that's where the organization piece comes in is, okay, so if we're providing information about technology, about accounting, about setting up a business, about, you know, whatever a piece of information is, what are those subtopics going to be? Are they each going to have their own page? Are they each going to have their own just section on a page? Is it like is it, is it going to be just a long page where you click this link and it links you down I, I, here? I think to that? I don't think so. I don't like those. I, I don't know. I don't care for them myself. I'm not a big fan. Um, I think that if it's a, a if it's a topic that is sufficiently in depth, it needs its own page. You and click again, the link and you go to the page. This is where I think like the the blog, for instance, if it's a if it's our blog is going to be the 
where you go to answer these questions. If you're like, I have a question about, you know, starting a business, let me look at the blog. Right. Then I think all those questions written out on there in our in the Dropbox right now should be blog posts. Right. And then that's okay, right. how we, we start at the top of that list and just start just hammering them out. And that's how we get start building the content. Right. right and I think that, you know, the best way to do that is to utilize the other resources and just repurpose the information into um, into our own words. Um, I didn't say plagiarize. You did not. <laughs> Let me take a piss. All right. Um, no, but I, yeah, I agree. Let's with play some music. Let's play some music while yeah, we're Yeah, go ahead. Um, just be careful. I, I would kind of do it from there. I'm not going to move. No, you can do this. So basically swing that out, and then I'll open this for you. But here, basically there's your cord, and it goes to there, so it's not going to go any further. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to pull this, this away. Yeah, don't pull it away because this needs to stay on the desk. So it's very this. inexpensive. Oh, I thought I did it. There you go. Yeah, just right. so don't move. Don't I knew it was hot in here. Man, you got some stuff going on here. The final countdown! Down the street in my six four. It's like that and it's like this. I took her to the bed and we started to kiss. Now my dick's on hard, you know what I'm thinking. Took the panties off and the pussy was stinking. Pulled off my drawers and I started to begin. Now the pussy's wet, so my dick slides in. Oh, hidey, 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 you ho. Riding on the stock and I put. out the salon, bitch. Back, 
think it's spunk on a mink. I mean, damn, what would you roam me, roam me, roam me, roam think? Hey, you remember where we first met? Okay, I don't remember where we first met. But hey, admitting is the first step. And hey, you know, ain't nobody perfect. And I know, with the hoes, I got the worst rep. But hey, the backstroke, I'm trying perfect. And hey, hey, yo, we made the Thanksgiving. Maybe we can make it to Christmas. She asked me what I wish for on my wish list. Have you ever asked your bitch for other bitches? Maybe. Well, hello there. Did I get louder? No, you sound good. Okay. I thought I turned my mix. I think I turned my headphones up. That's why I feel like I'm louder. Got YouTube on here? Yeah, yeah. Um, first page right there to the right there in the middle. Entertainment. Where? Uh, second level up to the right. Yeah, right there. So this video's this video's hilarious. Hilarious. And then Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco made an exact These replica. Get hot. Made an exact replica of the video. Oh, nice. So I'm going to pull that up right now. The Kings of Leon. I have a feeling this uh, this recording, when we listen to it, is going to be loud. This is both of them simultaneously next to each other. Okay. You can guess which one is which. We can figure it out pretty quickly, but this is the greatest thing ever. has to be theirs on the right. Could be wrong. Uh-huh, honey. All the mother niggas lame and you know it now. Right. When a real nigga hold you down, you're supposed to drown. Bam. Those guys have the best job. Dude, this is amazing. They just get to do whatever they want. Like, they were sitting around one night and they were like, man, I would like to remake that video. I love that uh-huh, Seth Rogen plays Kim Kardashian. What you doing in the club on a Thursday? She said she only here for a girl birthday. They order champagne, <laughs> but still wonderful. on a Thursday. Rock forever 21, but just turned 30. I know I got a bad reputation. Walk around. <laughs> Mad reputation. Holy shit. Leave a pretty girl sad reputation. Like the back hair. Start a fight club. Brad reputation. I turned the nightclub. Yeah, I think we should do things like basement. this. I turned the plane around. Your ass keep complaining. How you gonna be mad on vacation? Ducking one around all these Jamaicans. Uh, this that prom shit. This that what we do, don't tell your mom shit. This that red cup all on the lawn shit. Got a fresh cut straight out the salon, bitch. I don't even know this song. So I know it from this video. That's the only reason I know this song. It's from watching this video. Uh-huh, honey. Close your eyes and let the word paint a thousand pictures. One good girl is worth a thousand bitches. Bam. <laughs> Bam. Holy shit. 
kid. Uh -huh, honey. <laughs> like, is he like banging her? Is that what we're seeing? This is ridiculous. Like, I can't believe they even made this video. I know, the and the song is terrible. You remember I mean, honestly, like, the, okay, I don't remember uh -huh. where we first the Seth Rogen video is better. Hey, because it's like, it embraces the silliness. You know, ain't nobody perfect. And I know, with the hoes, I got the worst rap. How recent but, was this? Hey, like, backstroke, I'm trying to perfect. Hey, 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 yo, we made the Thanksgiving. So, hey, maybe we can make uh -huh. it to Christmas. No, but in the background, she I know it's asked me what I wish for on my wish list. Have you it's ever true. asked? I kind of want to see him wreck. Still make it to the church steps, but first you gonna remember how to forget. Things all spread along the highway. I'm tired. You tired? Jesus wept. I like how she's always kind of just gyrating. The entire time. Yeah. I like how Seth Rogen goes up and does a little extra, like, yeah. <laughs> a little more spastic. <laughs> they really do have an amazing job. Everyone on this screen right now? I would prefer Seth Rogen than yeah, yeah. Franco's job. Uh huh, honey. Jerome's in the house. Like, honestly, to be fair, that video on the left is exactly why our parents didn't want us to watch MTV. Like, that is the thing. Like, it's just nothing but gratuitous sex. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of... the words of the song, it is so terrible. Oh, I wasn't even listening to the words. You really should at some point. It's hilarious. Oh, man. All right, that was our introduction music that we'll be using for every single podcast episode ever but, uh, the uh, entire four minutes we should. Uh, and change that we were doing alright well we're going to move into our guest this evening a lot of people talk about helping people and changing the world around them our guest today lives that He's a Charlotte native that spends his day as a sharp-dressed legal crusader, spearheading a focus on collaborative problem-solving in the domestic law arena, and he's the chair of a solo small firm section of the Mecklenburg County Bar. He's a passionate entrepreneur, Star Wars fan, horror movie aficionado, a personal tech guru to the legal community. One thing you'll notice if you spend any time with him, he never talks about how hard the problem is. He, he How hard the problem is, look at me fucking it up. Man, I was doing so good up till then. You were. Uh, the moment he identifies the problem, he's already moved on to finding a solution. That's inspiring shit. Uh, when shit goes down, I should probably not use shit twice in a row. It works if I use it once, but I don't think I think twice is too heavy. Um, it, I mean, was it a gratuitous, a gratuitous use of shit? I think if Maybe. you just drop it once, it works. Um, when shit goes down, I lost my place. When shit goes down, there are a few people you'd rather have in your corner. A man that always has a smile on his face and something positive to contribute. Joshua Goodman, welcome to the show. <sighs> welcome to the show, Mr. Thank Goodman. Thank you, Mr. Ingles. Thank you. Thanks it for is, having me today. Oh, it's very good to have you here. In this prestigious podcast we have here. It, it is. This is our, uh, our our first episode since episode zero where I rambled on for uh, an hour and change. I and enjoyed the intro, by the way. I enjoyed the intro. You enjoyed the intro. I'm oh, glad. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm glad you like that. All right. Well, tell us what you're fired up after you get done having your sip of bourbon. What are you fired up about right now? What's going on? I'm fired up about other attorneys trying to kind of follow in our footsteps, coming out here to say, you know what? I don't want to work in a sweat factory. I don't want to be someone else's bitch. 
I want to start my own firm, I want to run my own hours, and I want to make some money. Nice. I hear that. That's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. All right. So you spent some time early in your career as a small business consultant. Uh, what drew you away from that? Why did you choose to become an attorney? Well, I mean, honestly, it was a lot of work. I mean, most of my work I did really based on finances. I spent a lot of work doing financial aspects of getting small business loans, trying to finance a business, start up a business. Most of those businesses were small franchises. There were things that were not really, you know, the uh, what I look at as a a startup, as starting your own business. It was, here's your business model. Here's what you're going to do. Just here, and I help you get the money to be able to do that. So going to law was more of a goal for me to get out of that world to help people actually do something. And then now that I've gotten into the law field, I found that there are plenty of ways how people actually reach that goal and get to that dream that they want to get to. You know, they, they want to own a business. They want to run something themselves, which is kind of what I wanted to do. I, sure. want, like, I want my own stuff. I want to do this myself. And I think that uh, that's kind of what drew me into the legal field in general was really more of the business side of things. And the rest just kind of happened once I got into law school and started practicing different areas of law and seeing how things worked out. Just the rest of it just kind of, kind of fell together. Right on. So was that was there any one moment you could point to that said, hey, I'm going to go be an attorney? Or was it just kind of this gradual uh, shift? Well, I do remember actually in like eighth grade we had this uh, – it's kind of like a little mock trial deal. It was like a history class. And I, I have no idea what the trial was about at this point. But I remember I got picked to be a jury member, and all I wanted to do was be an attorney. But I was kind of a slacker in eighth grade. So like, yeah, jury for you. Um, and the attorneys did a terrible job. And I was like, I'm way better than arguing than that guy. I was like, I could totally be an attorney. Was it the trial of Captain Hook? No, no, no. This was, it was some history-related incident. I don't even know. But And then I went to college and was like, no, you know what? I'm not going to do law. I'm going to go pre-med, science, math. Those are my, my things. Got the organic chemistry. I was like, nah, don't want to do that. Turned back to law. Eighth grade came back to me. I was like, done. That's what I should be doing. Nice. Relied Arguing. On, relied on that old moment. All right. So far, so far, outside of appearing on my podcast, what has been your greatest personal achievement? There have been so many. I mean... <laughs> Um, I think, you know, honestly, getting the business I have to where it is right now has been definitely my biggest achievement. I mean, other than creating a person. Sure. That, that is that's something we can certainly talk about now. You have created a person. Is it a boy? It is a boy. Is that what I hear? Um, he is not born yet, but by the time he hears this, he will be, obviously. <laughs> you know, you could take it and put some, you know, phones up to Jory's belly, I would think. I don't know how receptive she's going to be. I don't to want that. to traumatize the child. Calm down there, buddy. <laughs> You'll fuck your baby. <laughs> <laughs> I plan on saying that in every episode you now. Should, that should be your tagline, your catchphrase, right? <laughs> fuck your baby. Fuck your baby. Oh, oh my <laughs> the dingo lord! Dingo and the baby. The dingo, dingo and the baby. Oh, I can't. Play. We need a soundboard. I feel like we, we really do need a sound. I want that sound that they make. What is it? Um. Oh shit! What is that one thing they say? Uh, man, I'm just I don't know, whatever. It'll come back to me, and I'm just gonna scream it into the mic all right, when, it, when it when it does do happen. It. Um, all right, so you're essentially working for yourself now. 
Uh, you've partnered with an established family law attorney, right? That's right. That's okay. Right. Uh, was that a situation where you stepped into a machine that was already in motion, uh, or was there some substantial reorganization that, that it, happened? I mean, we, it was a complete reorganization. I mean, I came in really just doing some part-time work at first for her. Um, she needed someone to help kind of do some organization work, help with a little bit of law stuff here and there. I was trying to get some of my own thing going anyway, doing some criminal law, doing some defense work on the appointed list. So I kind of hopped in, just we're doing some part-time work, and then eventually we got to the point where it was like, why don't we just partner up? And and then I kind of you know took the reins. We're like, all right, here's how we're going to reorganize our entire business, our brand, our website, our everything. And we went from, I mean, I started working with her in a little one-room office, working at a table, to now we have I guess like five offices in our in our like office space and like a reception we actually have a reception area and we have a conference room and a break room and we have a copier which is a step up I know we're very nice we're pretty legit now Ingles we're pretty legit alright is this the first job where you work for yourself absolutely tell me about that you face any different challenges uh, in being your own boss for the first time Um, I think being my own boss wasn't that difficult to do I mean it there's, there was more motivation, I feel like, on my end once I started getting things going. Because, again, it's it's my business. You know, the effort I put into it, I get the direct benefit of any extra work I put into this business. So it made it a lot easier, a lot more motivational for me to actually put that time and effort in. Um, the way the difficulty I found has come being someone else's boss. Because... Well, and that's something we're headed toward in a moment as well. I mean, you can. I'll, I'll let you kind of lead the way where you want. No, that's good. Go that, we're, that. we're definitely going to go to there. Um, I mean, yeah, being being my own boss, I did not find that difficult. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed being able. And again, I had a business partner, so it was never like it was just me alone. I always had someone else there. But I again, the, as far as the business stuff went, I, me and her would discuss stuff. But that was really my area of expertise. Sure. I guess. So did you encounter any productivity or uh, issues with time management without having, you know, a boss of your own? Um, Not really. I mean, I think early on, I don't think I put enough time early on in in some of the right areas, I think is what, what I found in retrospect. I don't know if it was necessarily a productivity issue on my part at the start. I think it was more... I didn't spend enough time marketing myself. I spent a lot of time trying to build this business and like, oh, I want to get make sure our branding's there and make sure our website's there and make sure our we start looking at marketing and start trying to get clients. But people want to know you. You know, if, if, if I don't know people and they don't know who I am, no one wants to come to me. I just got a client the other day who came in because he you know, looked at all the stuff about me and read about me and read about what I'd done and talked to other people. And that's what got him to call me. So if people don't know you, they're not gonna. They're not just gonna come. It's, oh, I saw an ad on Google, so you must be good. Sure, that sure. Is not as common these days. <laughs> so, was family law a practice area that you gravitated toward early in your career? Tell us about that. There are two things I knew when I came into law school. One was I'm not doing litigation. The other is I'm not doing family law. <laughs> that is definitely going to show up on the recording. Nice. All right. So, so you said. You were going to do two things, and one of them... I knew I was not doing litigation, not doing family law. Oh, right. Um, Worked at the public defender's office for a semester while I was in law school. Found, you know what? I like litigation. This is kind of fun. 
I uh, took a trial practice course in law school. Had a nice trial with a partner. <laughs> that guy was we, a scrub. We, we should have won. We should have won. Well, to I'll be fair, I mean, as a mistrial. That's true. You know, the state's probably not going to retry Mr. Uh, Diamond. Is that his name? How do you remember State that? State v. Diamond. Well, to be fair, it's a little easier <laughs> you, you because I them. just saw it. Like, <laughs> as I was purging the other day, I just came across it and threw it in the I threw it in the trash. As you should have. So, yeah, State v. Diamond, Mr. Shea. So, yeah, so I decided that, you know, you know litigation's fun. Stressful but fun. I think I'd like to try doing that. Okay. And then I started doing criminal law and then just started, you know, work with an attorney who did family law. Got a little experience on her cases. Started getting a few of my own. Was like, well, I guess, you know, it, it, it's there. I'll start doing it. And it just kind of clicked. I mean, I just got along with clients. I feel like I'm able to work well with most clients. Um, and also, the difference in family law is it's very emotional. It's really based on this. You know, you're talking about splitting a family up generally, especially if there's children involved. And, you know, and people get pretty emotional. I'm talking about a failed marriage, and that's everyone sees it. So being able to keep people focused on their goals and not getting drawn off course, which everyone, you know, people start getting petty. You start getting into that stuff, everyone gets petty and starts fighting each other about everything. As the, um, and as that happens, you need someone to really kind of focus on keeping your goals in mind and actually getting you to a place where you're doing things that are going to benefit you long run, not just doing what the initial thing that comes to your mind as, Oh, I'm going to, I want to get this person back or I want to make sure, you know, it's like like that. If you start getting that mindset, nothing positive is happening there. Sure. Sure. All right. So we touched on it a moment ago. You have a couple of employees at this point. Now that you're someone's boss, what kind of challenges did you face becoming the leader of a team? The biggest thing I never really thought about and I thought would be just easy is kind of the firm culture, which is a difficult thing to describe. I mean, so when do people come in in the morning? When do they leave in the afternoon? What's your policy on, oh, can I dip out a few minutes early? Or I got this work done. I don't have anything else to do today. Or I got the stuff I need to get done today. I'm trying, you know, like what... How much time can you spend for lunch? I mean, for me, I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I want. If sure. I want to leave early, I'm going to go. If I finish what I need to finish, I'm going to go home. You know, if I'm like, I'm going to go home early and go see a movie, and then yeah. I'm going to come work on it later. And I'll I, do ab- that. I absolutely agree there. That's definitely one of the things I really faced in becoming a leader is initially I didn't really think that I thought leadership was just something that leaders did when you know they were called upon, and it just kind of came naturally, and I couldn't have been more wrong. When I hired my first employee, I just kind of expected that, you know, I would give her some guidance and she would do what I wanted. And that certainly isn't the case. You know, you really have to, past leading by example, you know, you I, I discovered that you have to really put policies and procedures in place and, and make them feel like they're part of the team moving forward. And that was, that was a real big struggle for me is I didn't know how to do that. It didn't come naturally to to do those types of things because I didn't want to feel overbearing. I wanted to feel like I was, you know, accessible and friendly and and not giving them a hard time. But if you don't, I found that if you do not put a structure in place, people are just going to wander around and they're not going to know what to do or what's expected of them. So that was certainly what the biggest challenge I faced. And I, yeah, I definitely, Definitely felt that. I mean, what I mean, what what have you done to, at this point to 
put some sort of procedure in place. Well, the first thing I did, like I do with everything in my life, I identify the problem and then I go see how other people fix theirs. You know, that's uh that's been my go-to ideas in equals ideas out. And I went and I digested leadership books, how to be a leader. There's a wealth of information on that subject. And I did that and I made long, you know, I, I spent time writing about it, making lists of my own things I wanted to do. And we put together a policies and procedures handbook. I mean, it's only four or five pages long right now, but it says, here's what you do when you show up in the morning. Here's how we answer the phone. Here is what you need to do when someone calls and they have this type of problem. Uh, you know, I've given the employee, you know, a guideline for what her duties are and the types of things that she can expect or, or he, if it becomes a he, can handle on their own. Because one of the biggest things I was realizing is my employee was, instead of being a case manager, my employee was becoming a receptionist. They were taking messages and giving them to me. When really what I was looking for when I hired the position was someone to manage the client so I don't have to. And that's, well, that's what I'm looking for. You, I wanted someone to outsource the work to. I don't need to update the client every time something happens on their case if it's not an important issue. And that's what, I was, that's what I've done now is I've empowered my employee to handle that situation on their own. Know what's going on with the case know how to effectively communicate that to the client without me having to speak to them because that's the reason I pay you. I pay you to take work off of me so I can do things that are more important that only I can do. And it wasn't happening on its own, so I had to put in procedures that would tell them what to do and empower them to do it, give them the ability to feel like they can step out and make decisions on their own and and give them the proper training to ensure that happens. So it's always going to be a work in progress, but as any business is sure, I mean, but it's really all about figuring. I mean, don't reinvent the wheel. Don't sit around twiddling your thumbs, trying to figure out how you're going to be a leader better. Figure out how great leaders became great leaders and listen to their advice and it'll happen a hell of a lot faster. So that's, that's what I did. That was the thing that really helped me uh, move from not knowing what the hell I was doing. Not that I know what I'm doing now, right, again, but again, that actually brings me to another point is another thing I learned through this was, um, when to just let go and just say this is not working out. This this person's not right. I think that's a really good uh, topic to bring up because that has that's something I have encountered as well. That's been very difficult. Is at a certain point you've been with someone for a while and you feel like maybe you can get them into a situation where they will work, but sometimes people just don't work with your culture, and that's a nut that brings us into another topic. Not to keep piggybacking, but. I think that's one of the things that I wish I knew when I started my law practice was when I started out, I needed a mission statement. I needed a why. Why are we doing what we're doing and what are we doing? Who are we and what are we doing? Because when you don't have that, it's very difficult to bring people in and keep them all on the same page because they don't know what you're doing. They don't know why you're doing it. You know, you're just another business that's trying to turn a dollar and when you do that, the more every time you hire another employee, you're just creating more and more people that don't know what the focus and the mission of the company is, and then trying to implement that in reverse is infinitely harder. Yeah, and that, and I mean, you have to make sure the person you're, the job you're hiring for is, is what you want. I mean, I know we ran into an issue where we hired a uh, an employee, and the job that we were looking for just 
was not what we thought we needed. Right. Like what we ended up hiring for was not what we needed. And it was a weird situation where we're like, you know, before going in, we're like, oh, this is what we want. This is what we need. We need this person. This is the type we need somebody to do this, this, and this. And then, so was it a situation where you feel like you hired the wrong person for the job? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I, I think the person we brought in, and again, I don't think it was even the wrong person for the job. I think it was partially that we we were looking for the wrong job. So you were trying to create a position that you didn't actually need. Yeah, like once, because again, once we got the person in there, and, you know, we had some issues here and there, but I think part of it came down to the fact that that the qualification of what this person can do and what what they're good and bad at did not meet what our firm needed. And some of those things that they were good and bad at that we were looking at, I mean, so for instance, we hired our second employee. Um, we let our employee go. We hired another employee. The other employee we hired, completely different job description, completely different really I guess authority of what they're required to do and what what we're asking of them. Sure, and it's been fantastic so far. Right because on. We, we're like, all right, this we actually have someone doing what we need to be done, as opposed to just, oh, this is what everyone else does. We think we should just have someone to do these things. And we're like, we don't need anyone to do some of that stuff. That's, right. It's it's a big learning process, and a lot of mistakes are getting made. Um, that's I mean, very similar to what happened over here. You know, we just we know we needed someone to come on board and work for us, but we didn't know what the hell they were supposed to be doing. <laughs> we really just wanted them to magically show up and make our lives better. Um, and, and I mean, don't get don't me wrong. We all want that. Yeah, I mean, the fact that someone's answering the phone for me makes my life better to start with. Um, but that, that's really that's one of the things I think that's important for any business owner when they're hiring their employee is to have a clearly defined mission who you are, what you're about, what you expect from them on a day-to-day basis, and can that person ever be a part of your culture? Because everyone is very different, and some people just are never going to be able to work in certain cultures. So I think it's very important to take your time in that interview process and figure out who you're bringing into your life, whose face you're going to have to look at every day. So that's certainly something that I I have learned along the way by making the wrong decisions. Uh. All right, so... One of the things we talk about frequently is technology, and we're here, we hear a lot about how it's transforming the practice of law. What kind of changes are you seeing? What are you excited about? Um, well, there's a lot of stuff I'm looking at right now. I mean, the obviously, as law practice management software increases, that I'm excited about because, I mean, it, it should all be in one place. Everything should be in one place. We don't need 35 programs. You don't need – I mean, the fact that we still have to mail things for service is insane to me. The fact that fax machines even exist anymore is also insane. Well, and I don't even know that they exist. Is anyone actually getting a fax on the other end? I have, or we are we all just emailing the faxes, faxes to each other when That's we could happened. just be so they're going to encrypt emailing email. it? Done. Yeah, right. There's much easier ways to do it. I mean, I think I think the other I think the flip side of my excitement about technology is my fear about technology. Well, and that was going to go into my next question. Um, are there any dangers of more technology-based law firms? There is. A, there are, the, the danger level it just increases exponentially. Um, the way I like to explain it is this. The easier it is for you to access your information and everything you want to access, the easier it is for anyone else to so do it it's as all well. in one place for us, it's all in one place for them. Exactly. But again, so that it comes down to what does it mean to be all in one place? So I'm less concerned if it's all in, you know, my case or Clio or some, you know, Rocket Matter or whatever the other programs are. If it's all in that program, great. That program, every all that information is stored in a server with armed guards and Mission Impossible shit going on in there. So I'm not worried about that. My concern is, is 
if I can just swipe your iPad and pull up all your, you know, my case information, right? That's probably an issue. So what do we do about that? There are lots of things you can't do. A for the easiest thing anyone can do, put a password on it. Right. Sure. Put and I can't imagine there's attorneys out there right now that are rolling around without phones and tablets that don't have passwords. I mean, I'm sure that there are. There are there are quite a few. But at that point, I, I don't think they can do anything but point fingers at themselves. <laughs> I mean, it's, again, most of the hacking, you know, quote-unquote hacking that happens right. is not someone, is not some guy in a basement sitting there with 35 computer screens figuring out your password by entering some algorithm or something. It's you just left your phone in a cab and someone picked it up and right. you didn't lock it and they have access right. to Basically, all you left your car or door unlocked and someone stole it. Exactly. It, yeah. It's... It's that stuff. That's how it happens. Sure. So you put passwords. You didn't have the club on your steering wheel. Exactly. Just a deterrent. Again, I mean, again, even a password. Nothing is the only one to be completely safe is just turn everything off. Right. I mean, just not to use it at all. Exactly. And but that's, that's like, not going to happen. My brother has that mindset. He's like, I hate having. I don't want my stuff out there. Sure. I'm like, well, I love having all my stuff. Right. Out there. I mean, there's plenty of property in West Virginia he can go live on. <laughs> you know, off the grid. <laughs> Um, but but for the rest of us, what um, is there anything that you could say that would really resonate and help people to protect their technology? Because obviously we're moving in a direction where clients are expecting emails, they're expecting everything to be digital, and just ease of ease of use. I mean, I don't keep I keep hard files of almost nothing. I show up at court, I open up a tablet, and it's all linked to my computer here. Um, so what what can we do to ensure that we're not going to get compromised as much? I mean, again, the the easiest thing to do is just uh, be knowledgeable. I mean, understand what it is you're doing. If you're just like, oh, I have the cloud and you know what the cloud is, well, go read about that real quick. I mean, you can Google. It'll take you five minutes and you'll know more than you probably ever need to. Um, Just having a basic understanding of how some of this stuff works will give you enough information to know what you need to do. Generally, have decent passwords. Don't use the same password for everything. Don't use Ooh. an easy word. Don't have your password be password. You know, like, <laughs> the common sense stuff is the easy way to protect yourself. I mean, when you start getting more complicated with like virtual private networks and start looking at different ways to encrypt documents and having mold. I mean, again, if you wanted to be completely secure, yeah, have it so that. To open any program, you have to get a text message to your phone that sends a password that's yeah. different every time. Ain't nobody doing that. I mean, exactly. It just it's going to end up hindering you. So, yeah. I mean, most of the stuff that you're probably doing, if you, if you if you're password protecting all your stuff, you're probably covered. I mean, again, at least the device be password protected. Ideally, you'd want to have any of your like uh, confidential information, those programs, password protected. Sure. But outside of that. You know, we, you can start getting more complicated, but I think that's the easiest way to just give yourself a decent level of protection. And again, a deterrent. No one's going to sit there spending, you know, 35 hours trying to hack into your iPad. Right. Move on to the next person care. who had theirs un- unencrypted. All they want to do, they're probably just going to wipe it and sell it. They're like, done. Right. Here it is. So, All right. So there are any apps right now that you're a big fan of? Ooh. Um, what are you using? What are you liking? All right, this is not really a... This kind of goes back to security. There's an app, Google Device Policy. Awesome app. It. Uh, I found out about it through... We use Google Apps for our internet, sure. or for our email. Um, so basically what it is, is it's an app I down, download on my phone, and it gives you base, uh, control of your phone from somewhere else. Okay. So I can wipe it remotely. I can take a picture from the phone 
camera remotely. I can track GPS. I can do all of these things remotely. Sure. So if someone got a hold of my phone. It sounds a lot like the Find Your iPhone app. It's similar, but it it has some pretty cool features that I love. Sure. Because it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Right on. It's kind of creepy stalkerish, but kind of fun. It's your own phone, though, right? But again, if someone steals it, I can just start recording videos of whatever they're doing. I think that it's okay to stalk the person who took your phone. I mean, I'm saying it in a good way. Okay, so I don't think there's any (laughs) privacy issues there. I I would like to hear the Fourth Amendment argument on you wiretapping the conversation of someone who stole your phone. I'd like to see that come up. I think you're going to lose that one. (laughs) What is one piece of software that you're utilizing frequently to make your life easier right now? Um, we started using Clio for office management. Okay. That's been great. I think by far the most crucial piece of software we use is QuickBooks. I, I agree there. It certainly helps. It makes my life a lot easier. I don't know how people deal with the receipts and give them to their accountant. I know attorneys who do that. They keep their receipts every month and they give them to their accountant. Their accountant must get paid a lot of money. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, it, it's, it's very, I mean... Just spend one month trying it out. It's really not hard to do. Use QuickBooks. Once it's set up, it's it's, it's almost a breeze. yeah. You just here's what I did. Here's what I'm doing. Yeah, I've I've had discussions with my business partner. Like maybe we should get an accountant to go through this. And I'm like, we don't need to pay some. Yeah, we pay someone to do our taxes at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's all in there. Yeah. Like, well, I know some of these other firms and they have accountant provide reports. I'm like, reports. Yeah, there the they reports are. are there. You know, like they're right here. You just a click of button away. Just learning how to use the software. Yeah. I mean, that that's all it takes. And there's kind of that one-time investment to get it. And it's one of those things where, I mean, God, it's just, there's no self-destruct button. Just click button and see what they do. You'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> and you've always got a backup in case you do destruct it. <laughs> all right. So we're going we're gonna to move down um, and, and kind of do some some rapid fire questions here for you. All right. I just kind of want to hear uh, hear your answers as they come. Is there one attorney that you've been really inspired by during the course of your journey? No, not one, not one attorney that you can look at who inspired know. you. That's I a mean, terrible answer. One attorney who inspired in the course of my journey. Yeah, I mean there have been multiple that I've looked at pieces from. Okay, I'll, I'll say this: I found I, I haven't followed any one attorney's. Um, Here's what I'll answer to that question. Most, we'll we'll most edit a, all the bumbling. Most attorneys, <laughs> nice. Most attorneys that that I would look up to or say, oh, that sure. you know, person's a great attorney. I I rarely have I seen any of those attorneys actually practice or well, something about. And I'm not them even concerned. I'm just inspired by them, and, and they've kind of helped a, you. I feel like it's more of a um, most attorneys that I'd say I look up to. Okay, for instance, attorney I guess I've relied on most directly, definitely Henry. Sure. Um, by far. I've never seen Anne-Marie practice law. Sure. I mean, I have very little as well, but I don't even know that it's necessarily seeing them practice law that has to inspire you. It's seeing the way that they manage their practice, the way that they network, the way that they create their persona in the community I think is more important to me than maybe the way that they practice law. But I feel like that's less of a less of an attorney thing and more of just a business person. Sure. Thing. I mean I hear that. I I, I mean yeah, I definitely look up to Amory just as a business person. I mean right. you know, networking, meeting people, 
knowing how to promote yourself and your business in a way that, like we said before, if people don't know you, they're not going to refer business to you. Right. They want to know who you are. Like I refer business, I'm like, oh, I know this guy. He's a good guy. He's a good attorney. I like him. I, I respect him. I will send clients that way. Sure. I'm not going to send her clients to the guy. They're like, oh, I like him. He's a good friend of mine, but he's kind of an idiot and he sucks at law. All right. So now we're going to clip that last part in you know theory, and I'm going to ask that question again. And that's okay. I mean, who cares? I'm just trying to get a feel for Fine how we do this. I'm just trying to get a feel for how Go we're going to do this. Um, because basically, like, instead of like, I don't, I don't know that anyone wants to hear us split hairs over, um, you know, semantics. Um, and I'm, True. fuck them. They should be listening anyway. Um, we're amazing. We are amazing. But, you know, I, what I would say is like, you know, because really what you, what you really want to do there with a question like that when we're doing the quick answer is just give me a quick answer. Like I, what I would say is something like, um, you know, this person, uh, I really like the way they do this, that, and the other. You know, um, so is there any one attorney that you've been really inspired by during the course of your journey? Henry Pantazis has really been a person I look to for networking and growing a business. Right on. Um, what is your favorite quote? I know you're right on sometimes the spot. It's just, hard. Sometimes you got to say, fuck it. Sometimes you got to say fuck it. Is that a, is that a Josh Goodman? That that is not me. I, I don't remember <laughs> where that came from. Actually, now that I think about it, that's a good one though. Uh, what what's your favorite book? My favorite book. I'm gonna say Brave New World. Right on. Well, tell tell us a little about that. I don't know if I'm familiar with that book. Oh man, hey, it's a good one. Uh, it's basically a futuristic society where everyone is preordained to be a particular class. Sure. And fighting against that underdog story. Right. You know, all that. That sounds a little Gattaca-ish. It is. I do like Gattaca. All right. What did nine-year-old Josh think he would be doing 20 years later? Oh, my God. Um, I thought I would be a soccer coach. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Right on. I had very low expectations of myself. (laughs) Hey, I think the the soccer coach is a noble profession. I don't know if it was necessarily Now, were we going to be doing (laughs) nine-year-olds? Yeah. Okay. I was going to be coaching nine-year-olds. Yes. (laughs) You very well may be in the next nine years te- coaching nine-year-olds. I Keep might. that in mind. I might. Your goals can be achieved. <laughs> All right. What is one thing that you know for sure? I know that this whiskey is delicious. <laughs> All right. What brings you the most joy? What sustains your happiness? Honestly, just working and helping other people. Being able to uh, be involved with and getting to know people personally, not just a uh, quick five minute. Oh, I helped you with this. Done. Move on. But like, sure. getting to know people is just rewarding. So this kind of goes into that you know same question. What would you do if you had a billion dollars, job wise? That is, what would you chase as an entrepreneur? Mm. You wake up tomorrow, money's not an object anymore, and you can just go do whatever you want. Oh man, um, I'd probably try my hand at writing. I think. Okay. Just because it's... I'm not very good at it, but I like it. Sure. And I feel like if I didn't have to worry about making money with it, I'd try it out. I think that's most things in my life. I'm not very good at them, but I kind of like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd absolutely like to write a book as well. Um, go, go, I'm going to go ahead and put that on the record. I, mean, I will I'm write a more, book. I'm leaning more towards comic books. Oh, I won't like, be writing comic books. I'm going to write I'll, a book. See, I'm picturing it more like a movie. Basically, storyboard a movie. Okay. And then All right, that's I like the that. comic book. I like that. Go the Pixar route. Just start making movies. 
Maybe. I like it. I mean, I'd like to do that, but that seems a bit ambitious. Joshua. I don't know that we think like that. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it on the biggest scale possible. But if I can write it, I can make the comic book, then turn that into a movie. There you go. All right. Where is one place you'd really like to visit? Thailand. Thailand. Any particular reason? Food, man. I could eat there. Those beaches look nice on Vietnam, TV. too. But that whole area, Laos, Cambodia. Well, maybe not Cambodia. But that whole area, I could go hang out and just eat my way across those countries. Right on. I'd like to do that as well. What's uh, what's one mind-blowing thing you've learned in the last year? In the last year? Um, I learned some crazy science stuff. I'm going to lay that on you. Lay it on me. All right. So I'm trying to think of which one I want to tell you. Um, I had an epiphany recently in reading some Ooh, stuff. Ooh, an epiphany. Big words. I mean, I guess it wasn't only really my epiphany because I read it from someone else, but I'll pretend like I can't. Ideas in, ideas out. Yeah. Um, so I guess just as a... This this is one of those, it's not a, a uh, huge thing, but it blew my mind. Kind of like when I found out that when you're in outer space, you're not really floating. You're just kind of falling to nowhere, like in a circle. And my mind was just like, What? So we're not, they're not floating in space, really. They're just kind of falling around the Earth. They kind of just depressed hell of me that I found out that was the case. <laughs> um, but I found, so I always pictured a black hole, like, oh, if the sun became a black hole, the entire galaxy would get sucked in and we'd be goners. Sure. Well, the black hole would only have as much gravity as whatever it was that turned into a black hole. Sure. So if the sun turned into a black hole, we would not get sucked into the black hole. Because it would have just as much gravity as the sun. We just keep going around it, but we just freeze. I don't think I knew that. Super depressing, though. I was like, oh, that'd be crazy. We'd all get sucked in. It's a super force. So it's depressing to you that we wouldn't get sucked in? the sun is not having enough gravity to turn into a black hole. But just the fact that even if there was a black hole, like, you know, if there was a black hole, you know, how many million miles away the sun is it would not do anything to the Earth different than what's happening right now. Uh, except we in. would have no light and I mean, we would all freeze Yeah, the to fact death. that the sun's gone, it would hurt us, but the black hole itself think, yeah. would not actually harm oh, okay. us directly. Yeah, I would assume by the time it went black hole status, we'd probably be dead anyway, right? Well, it would have to expand and then implode. Right, and if it, it, I think that, I'm pretty sure Neil Tyson told me that it's going to expand far enough, it's going like, to suck in the Earth Yeah, anyway. it'll become a red dwarf and actually... That's a little scary. Destroy the I mean, Earth. we'll be dead clearly by then. But, I mean, and that's kind of a... Like, are you disturbed by the fact that the earth's going to be destroyed at some point a little bit you know it's a little disconcerting uh, but i also know my logical brain which you know i guess kind of understands that it's going to die um knows that i won't be here but then there's also a part of me that's like what if i never die you know that's just scary right it's a little scary but at the same time like i think everyone feels like that and then they just die because that's what happens (laughs) but but there is there's a part of me that's like you know even if I could live, I would still get you know killed by the sun because it's just going to get all big and angry and kill us. But then I read a book by Peter Diamandis called Bold, and it talks a lot about 3D printing. And they really believe that 3D printing is going to take us off the planet. So by the time, really, realistically, they think in the next 100 years, we'll be able to colonize other planets just with our 3D printing abilities. They so- made an EM drive engine. Electromagnetic drive engine, which technically can exist under the laws of physics. There you go. Like, basically, it creates energy. It's basically like a fan. If you put a ship, like a car, 
put a fan on it with a sail. So the fan is on the ship and there's a sail and the fan's blowing into the sail. Right. It's not going to go anywhere because the energy being pushed from the fan is hitting the sail. So they're just going to sit there not going anywhere. Right. Well, basically this drive does that with magnets, except it is moving. Right. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense. I love it. They haven't figured out why or how it's doing that yet. Right. So... We'll see if that, if it turns out that like this is actually working, then we'll be should be able to travel to right anywhere because it doesn't require fuel. So. Yeah, and but the problem I think that we run into there, at least from what I can see, is that the universe is so big. By the time, oh yeah, we will never know. Right, we won't go. But honestly, it would take well a well, hundred generations just well, to get to saying. a point. Like we, even if we even if we got someone to and two issues. One, yes, even if we could fly at the speed of light, let's say. It would still take it us would take generations. Us generations to get anywhere, right? And then two, that person with the speed of light, it'd be generations for them. And it'd be billions of years here on Earth, right? I mean, the relativity of time. We'd, we'd be like, well, never going to see you again. Hope it works out. We'll never know. My great 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 grandchildren may be are around. probably going to be dead as a species. <laughs> <laughs> Does that disturb you? If, if 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 you knew that the human race would die out after you were gone. I mean, I think I do know that that's going to happen. But, like, in 200 years. Oh, yeah. It would disturb me. Hmm. Because, I mean, I think it, ultimately, I think if I knew it, you, you figure out a way to to come to an understanding with it. But I one of my you know goals in life is to create a place that is better than it was when I got here. And that's why I want to properly raise my children. I want to positively impact the world around me. Because I want it to be better. I want it to go on and I want it to be beautiful. But at the end of the day, I mean, if it if it has to die, I suppose it has to die. Everything has a life cycle. And I think it, it is... Have you read the poem Ozymandias by Percy Shelley? I don't know that I have. You should. Because basically the poem is about a... <clears throat> there was this like statue or just ruins found in Egypt or somewhere that had Ozymandias written on it. And it was clearly some like great king of like whatever era no one knows who the hell this guy is sure. or what it was history forgot him so that's what his poem's about like you know this great noble king that now no one knows who the hell that right. is it's just some rubble in the fucking desert now yeah like that's, it's that's a, I think we're all rubble in the desert at a certain point well that's kind of the you know like I'm gonna change the world and then oh right eventually well and, and that's my thought like, is I don't necessarily want to change the world I, I mean I like Steve Jobs idea of I want to put a ding on the universe I mean that's it's huge and he did but at the end of the day you know who's Steve Jobs that's how it's all going to go down but it, I, I think what he did is what resonates his name might not resonate but the things that he did with his life are going to resonate regardless um, part of that's just because I think the number of people that were touched by that by his actions. Right. So, I mean, I feel like you can have... So, all right, here's my counterpoint to that is if you have a extremely profound impact on 10 people, like Steve Jobs times 5,000 on just 10 people. Right. Is that a bigger impact than having, you know, this small percentage of an impact on everyone? I, I certainly think it could be. Um because the the exponential force of that impact could resonate for a very long time. Obviously, we really don't know what the extent of humanity is going to be in the universe. I mean, if we're able to leave this planet and, and actually travel to another universe, another galaxy, 
uh, what have you on a long enough timeline. Uh, I, I don't think it's uh, even an obscene thought to think it could happen uh, with the exponential technology that is present today. If we keep so. if we keep growing technology at the exponential rate that we are, I mean, in 20 years, what we can do is going to just it's going to blow our minds, for lack of a better explanation. And and so I don't think it's it's really that far out to think that we could travel across the galaxy. I mean, the time is always going to be an issue, the time and the distance. But humanity could certainly live on in that capacity. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. But I do know that what I can impact... There's, I, I read, there was a quote I read recently, and it was, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. And, and I really like that way of looking at the world because... That's it, why it's so hard, man. You know, if there's nothing that you can do about something, then it doesn't deserve time in your thoughts. You know, you don't need to spend a lot of time. That's where a lot of people spend their time with anxiety. They spend a lot of time thinking about things they have no control <clears throat> over. And... So I'm trying to live my life with that kind of thought process. If I can't do anything about it, I shouldn't be spending so much, you know, too much time on it. And that is kind of why I come down to my mission of I'm just going to do what I can to make the world better today. And 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 I hope that that does resonate out from me. But it, it, it you know there is that dark thought of hey you know one eventually I'm going to just die and we're all going to die and the humans are going to be dead, dinosaurs are dead, you know. Yeah, but I mean, again, I think it's I think it's equally as terrifying. Like, what if you just never died? Oh, I think that's terrifying too. Like, billions of years is a super long time. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, when I have to sit somewhere and like my phone dies and I just have to fucking be there, it is boring as shit. Can you imagine a billion years of your phone being dead? <laughs> you would find some really creative ways to pass the time. You'd probably find some really creative ways to go all Bill Murray Groundhog Day and try to kill yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, what, isn't there a theory that he was in there for, like, 10,000 years? That was the, like, original, like, script. Was that the original yeah, script? They, like, written that in there, and then they, like, changed it. Like, that's so they kind of abandoned thing. telling us that. Yeah. Okay. They're like, they're like, we'll just make it maybe, like, 10 or just an unspecified amount of time. Right, it was unspecified. But can you imagine 10,000 years of, babe, I got you, babe. Oh, my God. Right? It would get so boring. I mean, but I, I mean, I feel like for a solid 10 years, it'd be cool. Uh, I think after a year, I would be very ready to move if, on. If you're, if you remember and retain everything, I would, I would have mastered. I would master that entire everything. day in like three weeks. What I'm saying is, I would become so good at so many things. Oh no, no, no! And that is what he ultimately did. Yeah. He decided to stop wasting his time bullshitting and manipulating, and he just started to learn to create. And, and that's exactly what I would do. I would, I would spend that time trying to make myself better. That way, if I ever got out of that fucking loop. Uh, I would come out and take over the world. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, especially if it was 10,000 years. Holy Man. shit. That'd be, you'd, not, you'd be... Crazy. Well, I mean, just think about the... Well, think about that, but, you know, they have these movies of, like, you know, vampires, these immortals who live, sure. live forever. It's like, you would be just... If you'd been around for, like, that long, you'd be a fucking crazy person. Seen some shit. I mean... To you, a day would be just a blink of an eye. You'd be yeah. Like, Fuck this. Like You'd probably sleep through a few of them. I mean, easily. I mean, that's. I mean, the relativity of time. I mean, once you've lived ten thousand years, what's a year? Yeah. I mean, that's. It's like a month to me now, relatively speaking. Yeah. 
I mean, think about it now. I mean, years go a lot faster than they did when we were children. So much faster. I'm like, shit, it's almost 2016. I think, we need, to, I think we need to get back in grades. Like, I think if we had a grade that we were in every year, like, we might respect the time that we're spending a little more. No, you know what does it? It's children. Yeah. And here's why. Because, again, for me, until, you know, pretty soon, sure. time just goes by. It's when I see friends with kids, and I'm like, "Holy shit, your that kid thing is that huge. it's monstrous." When did this it's like, yeah, it's like seven feet tall. What was going on? For them, that's you know, they see that time going. Yeah. They're like, "Oh yeah, it's kid's second birthday." And I'm like, two years. You just had him. Like I thought, I thought you were still pregnant. Yeah. Like, well, when is the due date? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly how that feels. Oh dear lord. What does it all mean? Is that the next question? No, not even a little bit. Where is the next question? Um, That was a good one. So one of our questions went on for like 20 minutes. I loved it. It went on a sweet tangent. It was a sweet, sweet tangent. What is one one movie that had the biggest impact on you? Oh, my God. I know. It's a fucking nice way to come out quick with it. Definitely. Easily. And I'll tell you why. Tell me. I was like maybe four or five when I saw Ooh, that movie. I was young. young. I was young. But that was the first movie, like in the scene where they're in the, when she's in the swimming pool and she's like falling in, there's like skeletons popping up. The yeah. audience not finished, oh, yeah. it's all muddy and shit. That was the first time my parents were like, that's not real. And I was like, wait a minute, what? They're like, that's like, those aren't real skeletons. I'm like, I was just like, were you able to grasp that? Oh, this is all fake. I was like, this is amazing. You were able to put that to bed right then. Right then it clicked to me, and I was like, nothing that I'm watching right now is real. So you weren't scared of it. This is, I mean, I, it still scared me, but I was like, I, I get it. And I was like, I love movies. This is the greatest thing ever. Okay. Granted, I did find out much later in life, in Poltergeist, those were actually real skeletons they used in that scene. Nice. So Your parents lied, lied to you. <laughs> but even still, that was the moment where I was like, this is a, the greatest invention ever. Right on. I don't remember when my parents told me that movies weren't real. I'm, man, I'm relatively sure it was young. But the movie, if we want to go horror, the movie that really impacted me and ruined my childhood <laughs> was A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, man, the original? Oh, man, I think it actually was three. Okay. I think the first one I saw was A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Johnny Depp-less um, Johnny Nightmare Depp-less on Elm Street. One. Well, he didn't make it past the he first He did not one. make it past Spoiler the first alert. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. <laughs> To 30-year-old spoiler alert. We need to edit that. that. (laughs) Um, I think it was part three, and I watched it with uh, my sister and my cousin, and it just terrified me. And the the real problem that came up is that up to that point in my life, when you were scared of something, you just kind of hid under the covers and went to sleep. And, you know, so you hide under the covers and go to sleep, and... Yeah, that's when Freddy Krueger gets you is when you're asleep. And that just, it really wrecked my childhood. Mm. Um, I think that really is where my love of horror movies began, though, because once I was able to overcome... From your wrecked childhood? From my wrecked childhood. Well, it's a a common theme in my life. Anything that that really I have a hard time with and I struggle with, I'm not good at, uh, anything that I have a hard time with, I take it as a personal challenge. And I'm like, now I'm going to own you. And I think that's what I did with horror movies. Like, once I was able to overcome that, it became very pleasant in my life to watch those movies because I felt like I kind of made them my bitch. Like, I was able to overcome that fear. Now I own them. And now they bring me pleasure instead of torture. 
Uh, See, and, I love that fear. I'm like, if it doesn't scare him, it's kind of like, oh no, oh, I, I do, it. I love it, and that's but that's why I watch horror movies now because I feel like a heroin addict. Oh, they terrify. Most horror movies are terrible, and they're not scary at all. Yeah. But it's like it's like that heroin addiction you keep looking for because every once in a while you get a good one. But you know what draws me to a lot, <clears throat> to a lot of horror movies is they have twists in them. Sure. Like a lot of them have twists. I love that. I'm like, yeah, give me. I want to be misled. Like that's why I really like short stories because they only give you like if you read a bunch of Philip K. K. Dick short stories, like weird sci-fi stuff. Um, the story's so short that. You only give it so much limited information that you start drawing all these conclusions. Right. You have to reading. create the story yourself. And so you draw these conclusions and they can be so wrong. Like it leads you on this path. And you're like, oh, this. And you're like, then it just flips it over on your head. You're yeah. like, oh. Not this. Not at all what I was thinking. <laughs> like the, you got me. Right. You know? I love that stuff, man. So good. Yeah. Um so yeah, that was really where my love of horror movies came from. I did watch Poltergeist. I think I watched that before I watched Freddy Krueger, and it was terrifying. But it was still, it fell into that category of movies where I could go to sleep and it would stop, you know. And uh, But it did. It te- and the second one, I think, terrified me even more because you know what that one did? That one wrecked mirrors for me. You know, I couldn't look in a mirror without freaking out that someone was there and... Um, so yeah, horror movies really wrecked my childhood, but at the same time, they, they led me to something that I really enjoy doing now, which is watching horror movies, which I haven't seen a good one lately. Any, uh, anything out right now? Ooh, um, I saw that they made like the ninth iteration of, uh, um, paranormal activity. Yeah. I did not watch that. I'm probably going to watch it. I've seen them all so far. To be fair, all those movies are worth seeing. I feel like I, I can't remember what order they're in now. Oh, I feel no, like I, have, I mix them all together, and I'm like, which happened when? I remember the first two in the order that they went yeah, in. Yeah, after that, I But no after idea. that, I'm really not sure. Um, um, the first one was phenomenal. I mean, they did so did much like with so little. Because really, liked two as well. I, th- I thought I, two was very good. I, I, I liked the, you know, it kind of picked up. It had, I, I liked that. Yeah, and it got a little bigger. More cameras, more angles. Yeah. Um, more, you know, characters. And they're able to do so much with so very little. Like, in, if you look at the first movie, there is, I mean, it's you. We we could have made that oh, at yeah. our house with very minimal editing. Like, there's that one scene I think where there's like a flash of the the spirit or the demon on the camera, and that's it. And then at one point, they she's getting dragged out of bed down the hall. That's really the only time that you ever see anything. There's some really good short horror movies this guy made on YouTube. Um like one's 14 seconds one's like three minutes one's two minutes then he has like how he made them yeah it's shockingly high tech how he made these movies well, yeah probably do a lot in 14 seconds but like i mean well i mean again it, it's it's not that it's just a lot of minor community computer editing right that isn't really that sophisticated but watching him do it i'm like it it looks really good. Like, you did it really well. Right. But it's... You'll have to send me that. I like that. I will definitely check it out. You'll be like, this is awesome. Nice. Dude, this late part of the conversation has been so much better than the early part. We were just... We were kind of boring in the beginning. Well, because now we're actually talking about stuff. Well, we stuff. are talking... But I think that's what we have to learn. We have to learn how to talk about stuff and make it interesting. Because in the beginning, like, we were talking about stuff, and it was real, and it was authentic, but... but it's boring. You're talking about, like, what was your thoughts? Well, it's like, well... I know, but it was boring, but I think... Ultimately, we're gonna to have to figure out a way to make that boring stuff more passionate. Well, here's what we, here's what we need. Well, again, here's here, here's where I think things changed. A, I was able to start talking about crazy science stuff. Right. That's really where it took off. Is where we were able to have shit. that moment. I love that shit. Um, so I think I think that's you. You have to get 
whoever your whoever the guest is, find out what they're passionate right. about. Right, talking about something they're passionate that. about. Because that's the thing that's going to draw people in. you got to find that passion. They can start talking with their intensity, authenticity, and, and it really makes it more interesting. Because since we started talking about shit we care about, it's been much more interesting. It's been great. Which I think tells us we don't care about the law as much. We're going to edit that out um, maybe later. But well, to be fair, no one's gonna fucking hear this. No. <laughs> Are we airing this? Are we live? Oh, hey, um. <laughs> you can call in now. Five 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 one two one two. All right. What is one album that blew your mind? Oh. Um, Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah. Right on. That was uh. I think that was my first Beatles like album that I listened not just to songs, right. but like Front to opening. Back. Yeah, just first song, last song, listened through. It was like, all right, I, that that was an album, like, right? That I think, and again, I've listened to other albums before, but I think that one. I don't know why it resonated with me so much more than others. I mean, I have that's not my favorite album by any right. means. Right? Uh, yeah, that kind of first one that really hit you. Yeah, that just hit me as oh, that's how you do it. Right. And uh, and and I agree with the with the album mentality because I didn't have it. I think we just we grew up at a point where uh, people were you know we people were still selling a lot of albums. I think tapes were really what was being sold when I was a kid. Yeah. Records were still around, and then CDs started. But my friends and even my parents, no one was really listening to albums. We were listening to songs. Well, when you're young, you listen to the radio and like, oh, this is popular. I remember I got I got a my first album was Pearl Jam Ten, my first like CD Pearl nice. Jam Ten. I think mine was Verses, and then which is insane. And I, and I listened to like parts of it. Like I knew Jeremy the songs you like, the and, ones that are popular. And 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 I listened to like the first few songs. So I knew right. like, the first three, and then like two other popular ones on there. Never, I don't think I've ever listened to the last song of that album. Right. Like, just ever. I've probably listened to that album front to back more times in the last year and a half than I ever did when I had it as a and kid. That's, exactly. And that's just the, was the mentality was, oh, that, you just didn't do that. It's right. Like, oh, that, that, that's not the single. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know this song. Right. Skip. Yeah, that's exactly how I listen to music. I think one of the first albums that really kind of impacted me in a front to back method, you know, fashion like listen to the entire thing was uh, I believe it was "Rope in the Wind" by Garth Brooks. So, <laughs> it, you sure you want to admit that? On I am fine with it. Garth Brooks is an entertainer and he's amazing. <laughs> he's an entertainer. And I am not. I, I am very willing to step up and admit to being a Garth Brooks fan. I think I was probably about ten years old, somewhere in that area. And my mother, I had asked her. We were at the mall, and I asked her because I really wanted to buy that tape. And she said no. Like I was like, oh, I, come on, I'll give me pre, you know pre allowance. I was asking for allowance before I'd earned it, and she was like, no, no, no. So then I was gonna leave um, and go with my uncle to get some pizza. It was in the mall, at the same place. My mom was gonna leave, and she gave me five bucks to get some pizza. So we go to get the pizza. My mom shows back up and decides she's gonna eat with us, and she ends up buying my pizza for me. So I've got the five bucks, and uh, I put it with my two dollars and fifty cents, and I go down and I buy the album. Well, she was pissed when she realized it, but she still let me keep the album somehow. And um, I, slide uh, I was sly. I got in trouble, but I got to keep the album. But I remember I had this little tape player I would carry around with me. It took like C batteries or something, and I just listened to that album like over and over because it was the only tape I really owned. And I just listened to it over and over and over. And I know all the songs on it, like things that no one probably knows unless they're a big fan. I know all those songs. So that was really the first. Uh, 
first piece of music, I really sat down and got intimate with the entire thing. I think after that, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, or maybe Tom Petty, maybe not the Heartbreakers. I don't think the Heartbreakers run it. Tom Petty, Wildflowers. Mm. I, I had that CD, and that was a front to backer for me too. Um, and I think from there, that's I really learned to start listening to music in that fashion. All right. I mean, again, I, th- I think once once you have a few of those, you're like, okay, I need to. I think it's, sometimes it's a bad experience. I'm like, well, that was a terrible album. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to listen to it. It can be very bad. To, to I mean, I'm going to find out. Yeah, what the experience. Like I, these I are mean, the two songs, and fuck the rest. I, I started listening because again, especially once you start finding songs you like, and there are some like deep cuts that like no one else has ever heard. Yeah, no one listens to that part of the album. Sure. Some of those you start to see how that album put together. I know there. are so many albums now that I've just listened to all the way through and I'm, I don't even remember the name of some of the songs I'm just like yeah it, the transition from 11 to 12 was great yeah, right right it's and like, you, you're already hearing the next song like, because oh, yeah. you know the album so well and and it really it's not as much a, it's not as much each song as it just is a collection that is meant to be heard together there's a uh, the Get Up Kids by far my favorite band ever that's huge. Oh, yeah. Love that. The Get Up Kids. I'm going to oh, check yeah. into that. Um, they have an album, Something to Write Home About. Definitely my favorite album ever. Favorite and album ever. Favorite album the ever. Get Up Kids. So I'm going to listen to that. Favorite In the next ever. 24 hours, I'll listen to that and I'll get you back should, to man. you. man. I, I love that album. Um, but the, it, most of their songs, that album in particular... Even if I hear any one song, like I hear it in context with the rest of the album. Sure. Now. You know exactly like what it, came before it and what comes after like it. I just That's just... Uh, I I might not even know the name of the song. It'll come back and I'm like, oh, well, I, like I've heard so many of their songs. I don't right. remember which one. The this name is, isn't even all that important. You I, know where you know I what mean, number it is on the album. Generally, I know the names now, but even still, it's it's just the you know, I know I know the context of that song immediately. Right. It's just like oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the Avett Brothers uh, emotionalism is an album like that for me. I, I want to pop it in and I want the whole journey. I want to go. <laughs> you know, I want to go where they take me, and I love it. It's good. It has some ups, it has some downs. They jam. Um, but every time I hear a song at the end, I'm waiting for the next, you know, the next lick on the guitar from the beginning of the next song. So that's definitely how I feel about that. I like it. Um, yeah, that was good. Is that it? No, it's not it. We have a couple more. It's, okay, nine o'clock. I was thinking we, <coughs> we should go by nine. So we got we're, we're about to wrap right, it up. Wrap it. it up, B. Wrap it up. Um, what is one thing you wish you knew when you first started practicing law? Boring. Um, I wish. Oh man, I wish I knew everything I know now. Basically, so I could. You're gonna go into a Rod Stewart lick for us. <laughs> so I, I wish that I knew <laughs> what I know now. I'm not, I'm not even. I'm not even doing that. We're not getting there. When I was younger. <laughs> um. Yeah, I could steer maybe in a different direction really I, th- I think where i am is wonderful i really like where i ended up i mean again i i like where i'm going right but i mean if we changed anything i feel like it might fuck up the whole thing like what if i went back and i changed one thing and then i married sasha oh be terrible man i'd have to put up with fucking venezuelans at christmas i'd be representing you pretty soon yeah you would be it'd be super not fun (laughs) well dude this has been a fucking blast um i've enjoyed it i think we found out a lot of things about you know how to do this a little bit better um we found out how to you know what we don't like in the beginning we were pretty boring we got to figure out a way to channel some intensity into that and some um Right, let's try it again next some week. Some passion. Yeah. Some passion into that. Um, I'll let you interview me next week. We'll see how Damn. that goes. Um, 
And uh, because I got that's some, I got some nice not safe for work questions for you. Buddy. I'm good with that. All right, I'm good with that. I will come with some not safe for work answers. <laughs> um, but I think that's really the biggest thing in this in this process is getting comfortable sitting, talking, creating something that is going to be of value. And because I know one of the things I run into is that you know I, I realize I'm being recorded and I start bumbling a little and I'm not sure what to say. And, and how to feel authentic on the microphone. But I mean, I don't think that's, I mean, bumbling a little bit or not being, you know, completely knowing what to say, I don't think it's always a bad thing. I think part of it is we got to have, oh, <laughs> I'm getting the same text right now, by the way. Are you? <laughs> yeah. What does mine say? <laughs> Are you coming home? I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even nine yet. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think what you need to figure out a way to do is, Mix in the good shit, the like, let's chat, let's do things, let's get this going, let's talk about like fun stuff we're interested in. Mix that in with the um, like relevant stuff, right? The give me, teach me something, yeah. So, I think we need to, you know, kind of prepare our shows figure out kind of get a storyboard together of where we're going what we want to talk about and you know a lot do of it's going to come regular segments i think that's a like do you want to have a when someone comes on they know these three questions are being asked i mean i think so and i like the idea i've listened to some podcasts where they kind of have that you know kind of rapid fire at the end you know just kind of random stuff and i think that's really where a lot of the fun stuff happens where they just kind of throw out some really fun questions get some conversation going um but we have to figure out how to also make that, you know, 30-minute segments are usually what people want. People want something they can listen to on the way to work. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of single dose, get it in, get it out type thing. So we have to figure out how to make them, you know, size, you know, miniature enough that they're good but also provide value at the same time. You know, they need to be able to come away from it with something that they can do that moment to put into practice. I think, I think, I think it comes down to who are we, who, who are we marketing this towards? Like who, who's going to listen to this podcast? Why are they listening to this podcast? Right. I would guess people that... I mean, for instance, okay, are people coming for you to listen to you interview different peoples, or are they coming to be based on who's being interviewed? Like, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, are they like, oh, Bill Powers is on. So a bunch of people are going to come listen to Bill I Powers. I think that's a sell that Bill Powers is coming on, but I think that's fine if that's the sell in the beginning, but you want him to stay for you. Yeah. You, know, I mean, you have to be interesting with Bill Powers. It can't just be you asking questions to Bill Powers. You have to be providing actionable content yourself. Like you need to be talking with well, him. Yeah, they want to know not you. Just no one listens questions. to what the fuck with Mark Maron because they're like, oh, right. well, who's the guest this week? And that's what I was trying. In the beginning, I wasn't doing a very good job of talking with you. I was asking you questions and you were answering them. And I, and then I kind of realized, you know, halfway in that I needed to start giving my ideas and things that have worked for me. And, that's, um, and again, I think that's what we need to work on is getting the the, the back and forth dynamic. Right. The, well, and I, I started noticing that as well. It, it went from at, at the be, at the beginning went from you ask a question and you answer. I answer for like two minutes. To right. Then maybe you'll talk for like a minute to then question. And then it's like we need to get this right. At it's the more end, of a it, was, it was this back and forth. Like oh, and then this. Here's and how that. I oh, Here's what I did. Here's exactly. what you did. And let's chat about it. Exactly. Plus, there's more fun shit to talk about. Oh, right? way more. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to figure out how to keep it interesting, keep it light, um, while also providing content and value. Because I think entertainment's the biggest thing. Is it entertaining? Because we don't just want to provide value, but we have to do both. Exactly. I mean, because so, that's... But, and again, I think it's more than just an entertainment piece. Right. That's not going to fly. Right. And you couldn't hear me because I was all over here doing that shit. Uh... <laughs> 
All right, well, let's wrap it the fuck up, man. Um, so we've probably been chatting for like a fucking hour and a half. It's been a while. Let's look. An hour and 42 minutes. 42 minutes. It's a solid episode. That is a solid fucking episode. Um, so, yeah, very good, very good. All right, we're cutting it out. Peace. See ya.